Good morning, everybody. It's Mark Steiner right here on The Mark Steiner Show. On your source for cool jazz and more, WEAA 88.9 FM, the voice of the community. Good to have you all with us. Uh, and always wonderful to have you with us on WEA on The Steiner Show. We've got a good three, four weeks left. Three weeks? Three weeks, right? Uh, to really be with you, and we're to enjoy every minute of it. Um, and we are going to tackle transportation, which we've done many times in the show over the years. Um, it is a huge issue in this city. Uh, always has been. Baltimore now has become, I think, one of the most traffic-clogged metropolitan areas in the United States of America. Uh, there was a meeting held on Monday uh, that took place uh, in, uh, in, at the War Memorial Plaza, called by the Transit Union uh, to, to talk about the red line. It was at the War Memorial. Uh, and um, it was a fairly hugely attended meeting and raucous, as we understand, with people having a lot to say. So we're going to talk about that. And your thoughts about this new uh, link program, uh, do you take the bus? We want to hear your ideas at 410-319-8888. Do you use what we call mass transit in Baltimore? 410-319-8888. Do you try to get around by bike? Or do you try to get around by your car? 410-319-8888. I'm a car driver. So... Um, and uh, it becomes harder and harder every day. So what are your thoughts? We are here uh, with Danielle Sweeney, who's a local writer and moderator of Where's the Bus Baltimore, the group on Facebook. Good to have you in the studio. Danielle, welcome. Thanks. Uh, nice to be here. Good to have you here. Ryan Artis is here. Ryan is a bus rider, takes a bus everywhere, took a bus over here, as did Danielle this morning. Good to have you in the studio. Thank you for having me. Uh, Sam Jordan is joining us by phone. Sam is president of the Baltimore Transit Equity Coalition. Sam, good to have you with us. Thank you, and good morning. And good morning. Good morning to your guest, Danielle and Artis. Thank you. And you all can join us here at 410-319-8888. You can write to us here at talk at steinershow.org. Uh, you can uh, tweet us at Mark Steiner, but do join in. We want to hear your ideas. Do you take the bus? What do you think of this new Baltimore link? Does it work? Does it not work? Does it work for you? 410-319-8888. And wherever you want to take us when it comes to transportation and the battles over where they should put bike lanes uh, in this city. Uh, and we can get into that as well as we will. So let's just go around the room real fast. Um, and, and Ryan, we'll start with you. Uh, your, your ideas about this, about Link, is it working? And, and uh, yeah, how, how does what's your what is your analysis of City Link? Um, it's working. Uh, I, I, it's a system I rely on because I have to, so it works for me. Um, I... I I understand uh, the confusion around it. I haven't necessarily experienced that because I I use I I can I feel very comfortable using Google Maps and Transit are the two main apps I use uh, to figure out my way around the city. And I've I, I haven't had many problems, but I understand many others have. Danielle, as a bus rider, uh, I think it's a huge transition, and a lot of riders were ca caught off guard with uh, the changes. I don't think they expected quite the level of changes that the the MTA, um, you know, carried out. Um, I think I'm seeing a number of new drivers, and the routes are new to all the drivers, obviously, and there's a lot of confusion. Um, I. From time to time, I'll see drivers not able to answer uh, riders' questions about where they're going. <laughs> uh, the other day, I was um, uh, monitoring um, the arrival times of the Orange Bus, and uh, I believe a woman was trying to get to Highland Town, and she asked the driver, does this take me to Highland Town? And he said flat out no. And really what he probably should have said was maybe depending on where you want to go. Um, so she had to wait for an additional bus once she realized that the uh, Orange Link would indeed take her to where she wanted to go in Highland Town. And she wanted to go just like north of Patterson right, Park. Right. Yeah. So, and, and Sam, uh, you're not a bus rider, are you? Or are you? I am. I'm frankly, uh, Mark, I'm transit dependent, not just a bus rider. Okay, go right ahead. Transit dependent. My old routes were the 23, 26, and the 40 on East Fayette Street. And if the 23, 26, and 40 couldn't get me there, I could not get there. But I do want to comment about the rollout of the Baltimore Link. Please. Uh, yeah, first of all, uh, there's always a need for context. When we hear MTA discuss it, uh, Kevin Quinn and his team, they never really put it into context. The context is there is no public mandate for the Baltimore Link, as there was no public mandate for the cancellation of the red line. They are related. 
The red line was uh, <clears throat> canceled in June of 2015, and the Baltimore Link was announced in October of 2015. There had been no planning when the red line was canceled for the creation of, of this uh, Baltimore Link. In fact, it's a continuation or rebranding of the bolt of the bus uh, network improvement plan under the O'Malley administration. So we don't have a mandate for it. And as a result, there's really a very low bar for success of the Baltimore Link. Uh, if it success for the Link is, does it work? Well, what are we asking when we ask, does it work? You've asked your guests already, Danielle and artists, uh, about their experience. Well, there's a very low bar. If it means simply getting there and uh, a, a minimum of irritation and annoyance, that's probably success. But as you know from the CMTA study last year, the results of the uh, change, the rollout of the Baltimore Link, were going to be marginal at best. There would be some communities that were losers. I don't like that term. There would be some communities that would be winners. But the overall impact is going to be marginal, if, at, if any at all. And the question is, why such disruption? There's no need to uh, rebrand, for example, if you're improving the service. We think that's MTA's job, improve the service. So I want to certainly share a discussion with you about this, but that town hall meeting you mentioned earlier, it shouldn't go unnoticed. It was raucous. It was loud. It was angry. Uh, six, seven hundred people there, and the majority uh, response was the Baltimore link is not helping me at all. It is uh, adding to my burdens to get to work, to commute. The confusion is certainly not worth it. So we have a lot of problems that I think we want to try to answer in right. the course of the discussion. So let me open the phones here, 410-319-8888, as our transit riders. What do you think? Uh, Marion, you're on the air. Welcome. Yeah. Um, good morning, Mark. Good I'm, morning. I'm glad you have this topic. I live in the county, and I, like the gentleman that just spoke, I am also transit dependent. I've been riding the buses and subway my entire life. And I have a new slogan for Baltimore Link. Baltimore Link, it stinks. <laughs> I'm going to just give you a brief sum summary of what's going out here in the Liberty Road Court. Okay, please do. Because... I used to catch the bus when it was the, the, the bus that went up and down Liberty Road, the M8, and then they have this new bus that comes. Now, I don't even know what the number is. They changed the number, but I counted the routes. I counted when they leave, how many trips they make, when they come down, how often they come down, and the, and the trips have been cut. In other words, the trips used to start around 5 o'clock in the morning. Now they start after 6. They used to come during peak times every 25 minutes. Now they're coming every 35 to 40 minutes. So from our perspective out here in Randallstown, Woodlawn, Catonsville, and I actually have a daughter that commutes from Randallstown to Catonsville. Uh, she graduated from UMBC. Uh -huh. It has been a cut. They spent $135 million to cut our service. And I talk to people when I'm on the bus and ask them how they how this is working out for them, they all say it's either the same or it's worse. And I, worse. And I want to make one more point. Okay. We have a number of nursing homes out here, and the ladies that work there, they are very low paid, they catch the bus, and they have to be at work 5, 30, 6 o'clock in the morning. The trips that used to take them to those nursing homes in the morning have been canceled. They've evaporated into thin air. I talked to them. They're supposed to get there at 6 to get the seniors out of bed, to give them breakfast, to give them a bath, whatever they need. They're not getting there. They have to catch, find other ways to get there. They have to walk. One lady's walking. She gets up at 4 in the morning and walks to the nursing home where she works now because the bus that took her disappeared. I have a good friend of mine that was a professor at the community college. She retired because she used to catch one bus to work. Now she has to catch three buses. This is a disgrace, and this should sink Larry Hogan, because you do not treat people like this. And one more point. Right. Bus stops in front of nursing homes, senior centers, in many parts of the city and in parts of the county have disappeared. Our seniors now have to walk two or three blocks to catch the bus to the doctor. It is not working. This was a hundred, more than $100 million spent to cut service, not improve, right. to cut. Mary, always good to hear from you. appreciate the call. I really do. Um, so, um, Let me mention something quickly, Mark, with this, if you don't mind. I think the, the, the caller just, uh, who was just uh, on the line 
is correct, but we want to make sure that we understand the sleight of hand that she's actually referring to. For the transit dependent like myself and like her, anything other than a reduced commute time can't really be called progress. So what MTA did, in fact, they dropped the emphasis on reduced commute times and began emphasizing reliability. They're not the same. Reliability can be achieved when you expand, for example, or lengthen the lead times or headways from, say, 15 minutes to 25 minutes. Now you can get there, or they'll be there at 25 minutes. Uh, it's easier to manage, perhaps. Frankly, the opposite has proven true. There's more bunching now than ever before, more bunching and stacking. But nevertheless, the switch to reliability took the focus off of reduced commute times, which is what the ridership wants. This whole exercise is not an exercise in sensitivity to the needs and demands of the riders. So let me ask this question to the people, the other panelists here. What's good about Link? Anything? Um, I think uh, the high Daniel Sweeney. Yes, the, the high frequency routes could potentially be good if MTA can manage the headways better. Um, there are twelve high frequency routes that run buses. Right. You know, every ten or fifteen right, right. minutes for for peak periods during uh, most parts of the day, and uh, I think if you have um, if you use Google Maps or you have a printed schedule and you can time your trip to coincide with that schedule, it could be great for you, especially if you're not going a long distance. Um, but I'm not sure MPA is doing great, a great job managing the headways right now. Um, I've been uh, tracking the um, real-time arrivals of the CityLink buses, and I do see a lot of bunching. I do see buses coming, you know, one every 20 minutes and then one seven minutes later and then two back to back. So if if you're riding uh, these link routes thinking, well, it's going to be a 10 minute bus, it's going to be great. Um, you, you might have another thing coming. I mean, it's only two weeks and three days into the rollout, but that's what I'm seeing so far. And I should add that um, the other day, Kevin Quinn, MTA's new administrator, uh, was quoted um, in a Sun Paper story by Colin Campbell, I believe, um, you know, praising uh, the, the high-frequency routes. And he said, forget about carrying schedules around. These buses will show up every 10 minutes. And I think, based on what I'm seeing right now, that's, that's overly optimistic. Um, and maybe MTA is promising more than they can deliver. Um, you have to carry the schedule around or use transit app. I mean, you just can't show up and expect the bus to be there whenever you want it to be there. Right. I don't know yet, but it doesn't feel it doesn't feel that different. It just feels confusing. Confusing because um, because the routes the, the the routes that the bus the routes that are traveled haven't really changed that much in terms of the actual roads the buses are on, but the buses that service them changed. So it just seems like kind of unnecessary confusion. The amount of confusion versus the amount of pro is not worth the amount of progress made that is the that is resulting in this all this confusion. It doesn't seem worth it. Let me open and, the phone. Okay, go ahead, Sam. Real quick, I do want to get to the right, phone. Right, and too. Mark, I, yeah, I do want to emphasize that that last comment is important. You know, because frankly, we're the Baltimore Transit Equity Coalition because one of the mainstays of inequitable treatment particularly for transit riders, is their voices angry as they were at the town hall meeting. As I said, raucous, angry, and disappointed, and confused as well, but to be dismissed. Kevin Quinn and MTA will say, and this is the script, we heard you, we took a few notes, we'll make some tweaks, but you're going to get used to it. And that's the commandist approach that the governor has taken to everything having to deal with transit in Baltimore. Uh, commanders cancel the red line. Commanders order mandate the Baltimore link. What do the people want? That's not the real question for him. So what we're saying is the old style of the, the race-based transit policy we have, inequitable transit policy, is saying, in essence, get used to it. So the notion of improvements is exactly what the language, exactly what was used in CMTA's study that the improvements are likely, if at, if any at all, to be at best merely marginal, is not worth the $135 million over five years.
So I want to come back to this money we're spending and how it can be spent where we need to think the system has to go. But let's go to the phones. There's a lot of folks calling in who use our transit system. Uh, so Tom and Karen, Stephen, Carla, we're going to get to all your calls here. 410-319-8888. Tom, you're on the air. Welcome. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Tom. There's two major railroad tunnels through Baltimore. CSX has one that goes up Harrod Street. And Amtrak has one that goes through Sandtown, West Winchester. Right. Now, why not have everyone to link Social Security with uh, John Hopkins on the other side of town? Why not have some sort of a rail system leads from Social Security goes down to Lincoln Park to be unobtrusive as possible and link up down there with Amtrak? And when they enlarge those tunnels, since the state of Maryland and the citizens of Baltimore probably be paying for part of that, why not get something in there for us and have some sort of a rail link? Through those tunnels when they're I, I, you know, we've talked about this before, Tom, and, and Sam lets you jump in if anybody wants to as well who knows about this. But from my readings and understanding from conversations we've had over the years, um, legally that's not possible um, to, to put the rail there in the exact same place. But the idea of rail going underground was something that we've heard on the show as we debated the red line for the years leading up to the uh, approval of the red line and then its destruction. Uh, or not being allowed to go ahead. Uh, people argued about the cost of putting things underground, though that would have been a much faster system than going uh, th- through the streets, which is what was going to be planned. So uh, part of what you're saying makes some sense. Sam, do you have a quick comment on that? I do. I do. In fact, the uh, caller has just hit a real point. One is, if the question is to be resolved, the challenge is congestion. You don't challenge congestion in Baltimore by just simply having a, another whole uh, bus a uh, repainting job. You know, there's only about a net 10 new jo- new buses, by the way. But this gets to the cost. You see, you still have to do a tunnel under downtown Baltimore if we're going to have any appreciable impact on congestion in Baltimore. The red line was 14.2-mile project, 19 stations, but 3.4-mile tunnel under downtown and then a tunnel at Cook's Lane. But that was part of the uh, guarantee of a reduced commute time. We'd have the linkage we need. We don't have it now. An east-west axis that would anchor a system instead of this uh, dysfunctional uh, network of uh, bus routes. So the caller is right. We don't have the best technology working for us at the moment with mere improvements or tinkering with the Baltimore link. Let me open the phones at 410-319-8888. And Karen, you're on the air. Welcome. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning, Karen. Um, I am not a bus rider myself, however, my children um, are bus riders. And so we live in uh, northeast Baltimore, not far from Morgan State, um, up on Moravia Road. And one of my kids goes to school downtown. She was used to catching the 33 right. um, down to Lock Raven and Cold Spring, where she would get the number three to get downtown to school. So the number three has been broken up into several different bus lines. So what we did, we went online Sunday to try to get map out the route for her because the three no longer exists, and we tried to find the bus stop, the silver line for her to make her connection. We could not find the bus stop, so we called MTA. Uh-huh. They couldn't tell us where the bus stop was located. Could not tell you? No. And so I said, okay, there was an old bus stop marker, which matched the number that was on the route that I printed. I said, just come here and stand here tomorrow, and hopefully you'll get the bus. She did that. She saw the bus. She was on the bus stop with four or five people. The bus paused. They attempted to walk towards the bus. The bus driver pulled off and did not let them on. She eventually got to work after having to just try to walk to find a bus stop where a bus would let her on. The next day, we said, okay, let's go back to the computer. Let's remap this thing again. We did. Uh It told her to get off at Havenwood and Hillen Road, where the Northwood Shopping Center is. They call this bus the Morgan State, and that's the loop where the silver changes from, like, southbound to northbound. 
changes from the Morgan State to the Curtis Bay. So what happened? I mean, I, the bus the bus never showed. The bus never showed. She had to call my mother to pick her up. This past Sunday, we saw a bus. I said, let's follow the bus. I followed the bus. I talked to the bus driver. I said, look, my daughter was left stranded three days. Where is the stop? He said, ma'am, I don't know. There is no map on this bus. There is no schedule on this bus. So you're saying the bus driver didn't know where the stop was? The bus driver said, ma'am, <laughs> I don't know. That, that's pretty bad. The overhead computer system that's supposed right. to announce the bus stops isn't connected. I don't know where I'm supposed to be. Well, Karen, Karen that's, that's, that's a pretty horrendous tale. What, so I'm just but, supposed to put my 17-year-old out there and have to wander the city? I hear you. No, I hear you. That, that, <laughs> that's crazy. Um, so that's, you know, so are, are we saying here that, that the MTA, the DOT, the state DOT, uh, MDOT, has not really thought this through? Was it re- that was not completely ready to launch, it sounds like? <laughs> that's precisely what we're saying. There was someone else who was about to speak. Well, go ahead, but, that's precisely what we're saying. It must be absolutely clear. In October 2015, when the Baltimore link was announced, there was no plan. There had been no plan. You would think that had Governor Hogan been a responsible chief executive and concerned about the economic development and potential for Central Maryland, the economic heart of the state, he would have simply left the money that he inherited and let the project be undertaken. Instead, what we have is the uh, movement of this project in a direction that can only bring further confusion, but also continued underinvestment in the Baltimore, Towson, Metropolitan region. So we're not further along. We're doing a lot worse, and we need for this reason to have the city council itself conduct its own hearing and let as many people in the city come in and testify about that experience, their experience with the Baltimore Link so that we have it recorded. We didn't have it recorded at that town hall meeting last Monday. The one that the union we need had. to do so. Right. I'm sorry? So when the, un- the one the union called, the ATU called. Right, ATU called. Malcolm it, Atlantic it, Union. Right. It needed to be recorded because that was a significant uh, expression of discontent. We need to have that because in the record, remember, we have a Title VI complaint against the governor. What we're saying is he never did, neither he nor his Secretary of Transportation, Pete Ron, considered the impact of the cancellation on those communities most directly affected, particularly the transit dependent, nor did he estimate and analyze the benefits of the project had it been completed, totally transforming the economic potential for the region. So we are still... Uh, hoping that we can get one a council hearing and two there's a call for the formation of a transit riders union we're and, 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 we, about and, and on that we'll come back to that on that we have to take a short break and come back and we're going to go right to the phones here uh and our next caller up uh karen we just heard from karen thank you for that call it was a really interesting tale we need to hear that carla Stephen, jason william we're getting to your calls as well stay with us we'll be right back Welcome back, folks. Baltimore Link is a reality, but is it working for the people who actually have to use it? We're here with a roundtable of people who are, as uh, the terminology goes today, um, transit-dependent uh, and transit users, users in our city. We are joined here in-house by Ryan Artis, who is a bus rider, always has been, and Hello. still is. Good to have yes. you, Ryan, back to the studio. Good to be here. Daniel Sweeney is a local writer, moderator of Where's the Bus, Baltimore? group on Facebook, which is really good, interesting one of our good new Facebook groups on about our community. Uh, Sam Jordan joins us by phone. He's president of the Baltimore Transit Equity Coalition. And Shavon Crawley joins us in the house now. He's a student organizer, uh, cyclist, and sociology major at UB. Good to have you in the What's house. What's going on, man? How you doing? All right. How are you doing? Pretty good. You Glad made to be it. Here. You made I it. made it. You made it. <laughs> on two wheels, right? I made it. I sure did. <laughs> That's right. All right. We'll get to the two wheels in just a minute. Let's go right to the phones of 410-319-8888. And Carla, you're on the air. Welcome. Hi, can you hear me? We can, Carla. Okay, good morning. Yes. Good morning. 
I live along the, the Baltimore Street corridor, the number 20 bus line, or what used to be the number 20 bus line, and I haven't seen too many buses. I don't ride the bus because I work in Anne Arundel County. God forbid if I had to be, depend upon the bus. I'm not seeing the, the, what used to be the number 16 bus that ran up and down Hilton Street. Yep. I'm not seeing too many of the number 20 buses that ran up and down West Baltimore Street. What's the deal with that? Um, you know, what's going on with that? Because to the, the people who live in this community, we still do have children who attend school. You know, although school is out for the summer, we still have elders who, you know, may not, you know, be dependent upon how, what, what's the deal? Because this is really frustrating. I, Carla, your, your question is really important because I think what Baltimore Link did is canceled, if I'm right, Danielle, a lot of lines, right? Uh, it changed up the entire system. I wouldn't say it canceled mm-hmm. whole lines. It but, changed but, up but, the entire But system. lines that people utilize to get across town are gone. Yeah, it's are been not, a, not, are not coming as frequently as they did. It's a massive transformation, a complete overhaul, and I, I don't think people were entirely prepared for that. So the question is, and whose benefit is this being done? I mean, is it really? I mean, what I've heard from some people is, well, you took one bus, you now have to take three. The timing may not be that different to get you from one place to the next. Timing seems to be the same, right? For what most people are saying, Siobhan, but but that but but that the complexity, it's gotten it's gotten worse. Are you a bus taker? I am a bus taker. So what are your thoughts? Well, my thought, okay, so I did my own independent serve, uh, my own independent study. I started a week before Baltimore Link started, and then the, two, the first two weeks that it was free. And what I've seen is basically what everybody else is seeing is that really nothing's changed. You must be a good changed. student, I can tell already. <laughs> <laughs> nothing's really changed except the name of the system, uh-huh. honestly, and, 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 and now their colors are not numbers. I mean... Um, a few routes have changed. I know for me, um, there are certain bus stops where, okay, if I miss one bus, I could get another bus. So it, it would be, you know, one bus stop could be two buses or three buses that I could catch to get me to the same location. Whereas now, those three are scattered. And so it's like if I stand at this one bus stop, I have to wait for this one bus when I could get a different bus that goes the same way, but it's, it's in a bus stop completely far out of my reach. And so there are some changes with that. Um, the bus drivers don't really seem to really know much, honestly. Um, you know, uh, a lot of older people, well, let me say this. I also attended the Baltimore Link meeting, which was at the War Memorial. Monday. And I mean, that uh-huh. was, man, that, that was insane. Um, just a lot of confusion, a lot of misguided anger. There, there was a panel of people who kind of advocate for, uh, for, for transit equity and for, um, and, you know, for equity for transit. And, um, a lot of the anger was, was guided towards them. And, and we had to kind of redirect that and say, no, these are the ones helping us. Um, and so it's, it's a lot of anger. And it's like, where do we put that? Who's responsible for this, for this system? You know, the system is bad, but someone had to take responsibility. And yes, it's Larry Hogan. And yes, it's a few others. But um, overall, it's just, it's just confusion. So um, based off of the study that I did, a lot of people just weren't ready for the change and still aren't ready, even three weeks in. So to answer Carla's question about what happens in neighborhoods like hers, where she doesn't see the buses frequently, what actually is happening? What, what do you know about the logic of what they did mm-hmm. in neighborhoods like Ashburton, where she's talking about around Hilton? That's a question I can't... Well, I know for me in my neighborhood, I live in Highland Town, um, and the number 13 runs... Um, the number 13, it used to be a 13 Canton, which would run right. you know, through North Avenue, through Highland Town, and into Canton, obviously. Now... It's the CityLink Gold, I believe, um, and it runs through Fells Point now. And so it still goes through North, but it doesn't go in Highland Town. It kind of goes through, what would that be, Fayette and Wolf Street on down to Fells Point. And so I'm trying to figure out the logic, too. Why are you no longer going through that neighborhood Since that, quite frankly, needs that bus? Right. I mean, Highland Town probably has more transit riders than Fells Point. Exactly. Does. Exactly. Be my guess. Exactly. So <laughs> right? your guess is as good as mine. So go ahead and we'll open the phones after. Well, this. It's, and it seems to be it seems to be illogical, and I've been I've been trying to wrap my head around it at the same time, maintaining positivity in my perspective of riding public transportation. My initial thought point of view was to treat it like I was on vacation in another city, <laughs> because this, it was because it was the system that I never thought about the system. I I knew the buses like my bus line was a three, the thirty six, the twenty two. Right, right. And those, and I, and but other buses, I didn't think about it. I knew where the bus stops were. I knew where they went. I didn't have to think about it. And so now I have to all of a sudden think about it. Um, it feels like, and this, this is kind of out there. This was kind of one of my more out there theories that it's, it's um, confusion tactics. They're trying to, they're, they're try, if you're focused on 
having to learn a new system and be angry about that, um, you're confused, you're disillusioned, you're you're disoriented. It's a so the, you, you the, don't have energy to, to to tackle other larger issues because you have to figure out your transportation yet again. So to answer Carla's question, there doesn't seem to be a rhyme or reason to why there's no buses in her neighborhood mm. as they used to be. Yeah, me, uh, Carla, I'm sorry about. I, I hear you. I mean, I, and uh, uh, let me open another phone here. Four one zero three one nine eighty eight eighty eight. Let's go to Stefano on the air. We'll come back to uh, Danielle and Sam. Stefan, how you doing? Welcome. Good morning. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I have a question. Um, I noticed um, the bus driver was telling me uh, that all the uh, the drivers now have to use. Um, uh, the, no, the whole system. It used to be a long time ago. They used to have different divisions, like the uh, west side division, southwest division, and all that. Now, is it true that the bus drivers, the operators, have to know all the, the whole bus route now? That's my question. Do the bus drivers have to know the whole bus route now? Do we know the answer to that? Daniela or, or, or Sam, do you have an answer to that? Well, no, I want to uh, make sure. I but think do, I, no, first, do we have an answer to his right question? Ahead. Does anybody have an answer to his question? That's a question for MTA. So, right. right. The, okay, the right, drivers, right. I've talked to drivers who say that they, that, you know, that, well, MTA says training is available, but it always ends up with the, with the drivers carrying too much of the brunt of the criticism about the failures of the system. And I think, frankly, uh, a question that was asked a, a couple of weeks ago that hasn't been answered yet by MTA, the CMTA, that's the Central Maryland Transit, Transportation Alliance, asked MTA again, by what metrics are you establishing success for this rollout? What, what metrics? How are you measuring success? What are you calling success? Well, MTA hasn't responded with the metrics to be used that are appropriate for determining that. In other words, success in the rollout is whatever MTA says it is. No one else has any capacity to check against it if there are no metrics available in the public arena for determining just what has happened? Is this reliability working? The headways, what I've reported and what Danielle reported earlier is bunching uh, on that 23, 26, uh, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, 40 route that's now orange and blue, uh, just bunching uh, tremendously, I think much more than before. But we don't have any metrics. I mentioned earlier, origins and destinations. As of three months ago, there has been no origins and destination study done for the Baltimore bus system since 2008. Now, if I'm mistaken, that MTA corrected and share that origins and destination study with us. Otherwise, we don't have any proof that they really knew where people needed to go. So, one, success is whatever MTA says it will be. It's going to be dismissive of the people who came out. That's why we want the council, we'll ask the council to hold its own hearing so that people can register their uh, comments, their dissatisfaction, and their support if they feel like that. But the point is, we didn't ask for it. There was no mandate for it. Right. It's a horrible substitute. In fact, a dismissive and cynical substitute for the benefits to be brought by the red line. And the people must be heard because we need to have a transit system worthy of Baltimore. And Baltimore, frankly, should be outraged. So let me ask you, you want to jump in, Daniel? We're going to open the phones again. Okay. Open the phones Okay, 410-319-8888. Stefan, thanks for your call. Uh, let's go to Monroe in Bel Air, Maryland. You're on the air. Welcome. Yeah, thank you for taking my telephone call. I'm old enough to remember when we had uh, buses, streetcars, and trackless trolleys in Baltimore. Me too. <laughs> then uh, then uh, General Motors, Firestone Tire, and Rubber, and then Standard Oil and Phillips Petroleum took over, they formed this uh, National City Lines. You remember the buses and all were right. yellow on the bottom, white on the top. Right. And service has been continuing going downhill. For example, I used to catch a 19th streetcar from Parkville to North Avenue, wait for the 13th streetcar, 15 to 20 minutes. When they converted it to buses, that uh, wait was anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour and 15 minutes. And our Public Service Commission did absolutely nothing again about it. I talked to MTA persons. How about bring it back to trackless trolley lines? That way, no pollution from a diesel engine. And all I came up with, well, it's going to cost too much. So there goes your opportunity for decent service returning to 
bring back light rail or trolleys and some trackless trolley lines, and it would work a lot better if they went through certain neighborhoods in the city that are currently unserved or underserved. Monroe, thanks for the call. I appreciate the call. And I, I think that, that, that we, we've done shows, it's been a while, on the history of our transportation, transportation system. And the, you speak the truth, which is that uh, we had a transit system in the city, for those of us old enough to remember, in the 50s and 60s, when the, when the, when the trolleys were, were decimated. And that was decimated because of General Motors and Exxon coming in and saying, we want buses. Uh, and if you look at cities like Medellin in Colombia... Or if you look at cities like Seoul in South Korea, they are actually have a fast bus system, but they're all buses that are either electric or they electric-powered buses, hybrid buses. They don't use gas. They're changing that entire system. So all that is possible. Depends on where we want to make the investment. Thoughts before we go back to the phones? Um, Danielle, go ahead. We do have uh, bus-only lanes downtown, and we'll be getting more through the fall. And uh, I think they could help with the headways. And I'm curious to, to see how successful we'll be with the, the bus-only lanes and uh, if traffic enforcement will keep people from parking there, uh, because I think that could make a difference. Let me have another phone. We'll come right back to our guest here in the studio, 410-319-8888. Let us go to Jason. You're on the air. Hey, how's it going, Mark? Very well. Good morning. Good morning. Um, well, as a person who takes um, what is now called the Brown Line, used to be the 15, um, and since the um, change, I've taken the 54, the 56. I've canvassed people. I've also traveled. Um, I've traveled to Bogota and taken the Transmillennial uh, Rapid Bus System. And I've just, um, I went to um, Dar es Salaam, Tanzania, where they've just, um, started a bus rapid transit system. I think um, we've got the first problem we have to deal with with this system is that we're dealing with routes that were created based on developer imperatives instead of what people actually need. So, you know, the governor, we have to remember what he is. He's a developer first and foremost, and he works with a different gang of people than the people who normally are advocating for buildings and developments here in Baltimore City. So he came in and did what he thought was, um, you know, expedient for the development in the city, which, of course, totally works against the interests of um, the citizens of Baltimore City. So what I would like to see happen instead of this continued um, call for the red line, which is just another... Um, money grab by developers it cost a hundred million dollars to lay track for light rail in a city and we're a city where we basically can't buy textbooks for our students why are we worried about you know a, a closed line when we already know that our bus system just needs to be we need to overhaul how the bus system is laid out and actually have the citizens involved so I'd like to see the formation of a participatory transit council based on citizens who actually ride the bus that's formed, independent of the city council, independent of any of these other groups that are advocating or so-called advocating for the citizens, with people who actually ride the bus, looking at the routes, with people who actually implement the routes, and making the necessary changes so that the system can work work um, in the interest of the people of Baltimore. Jason, as you raise many interesting issues, if you leave your email, we'll get back to you just to talk a bit more about your ideas. I think they're interesting. So let me go around the room and let you all comment very quickly on this so we can get some other callers in here. A lot of people are calling in. And I just want to just quick commentary. What Jason referred to, Dar es Salaam in Tanzania, in East Africa, over the last four years has built an incredible rapid transit bus system that moves people. They started building it in 2012, and it moves people faster than most places around the globe. Uh, that's, that was the bus system he was talking about. It can be done. If our Salam can do it with no money, America should be able to do it with a little bit more money, one would think. Sam, then we'll go around the yes. room very quickly. Go ahead. Sure, sure. Uh, we don't have any problem with bus rapid transit, with buses, with cycles, with walking, uh, with uh, <clears throat> you know auto autonomous vehicles. We at the Baltimore Transit Equity Coalition, 
want a fully integrated multimodal transportation system. We don't have one now. With respect to why spend money on the red line, it's, it's clear. First of all, the governor didn't have to raise any pennies for the red line. The money was already there. $900 million from the federal government, $1.235 billion had already been allocated by the State Transportation Trust Fund. So the call is wrong about having to find money for the red line or why find money for the red line. You talk about you need uh, school books, you need jobs. You need jobs. Red line brought 10,000 jobs, dramatically reduced commute times. There is no such project in the history of the state of Maryland nor in the city of Baltimore's history of an infrastructural project of this magnitude that would bring this kind of transformative economic development and boost to communities throughout the city, not only along the Red Line Corridor. So the point is, you have to invest in the communities. You have to invest in Baltimore. And that investment is what we see is always missing where there's a great deal of inequity. When you have a race-based transit policy and inequity, you always have underinvestment. And, and as a result, underdevelopment for the entire region. So what we're saying is, one, so, let's talk it out. But two, we want people who are hearing us to, they can contact us. Mark, I want to give our phone number. That's 443-692-7537. 443-692-7537. Anyone can call us and tell us how you can help. Uh, tell us what you think of this experience. We also want to know how to help us build a red line. But we have to invest in the future, and the Baltimore Link was not such an investment. So, a uh, quick thought here. Then we'll go back to the phones. <clears throat> I just thought the caller's point that the um, system was was made for some kind of hypothetical future rider and not um, made for the actual residents of Baltimore and the people who are riding was a very, very strong and valid point. Siobhan? Absolutely. I agree. Shared sentiments. Uh, I think the MTA did make a lot of effort to get rider feedback and engagement. However, I think Baltimore City does not have the bus rider activist community that it needs to hold the MTA accountable, and that's that's what we need. Hence the union, which we hopefully have time yes. to talk about before this is over. Four, oh, wait, we'll come back to this, though. 410-319-8888. Let's go to Edward on line four. Good morning. Good morning. Uh Mark, uh, you know that I have had my problems with the red line over the years, and I've been concerned with transit, as you know. Uh, the reason that Baltimore Link isn't working is because Baltimore Link is based upon a false premise, and that is that the fundamental problem with uh, Baltimore Transit was on-time performance. That was because that's what the public told the MTA in surveys. But the underlying problem was not enough buses in the system. So you can rearrange the deck chairs on the Titanic. The ship still, still sinks if you don't have resources. When Ron Hartman was the administrator back 40 years ago, we had over 1,400 buses in the system. Ron confirmed that to me. Today it's 750. You cannot stuff even more people on the same number, on half as many buses as you had before, and everything else doesn't work because of that. That's a really interesting point. Uh, let's say if you, if you talk about that, let's say we spend how much, $130 million on the system? Suppose that money was spent on, how many buses would $130 million buy? Plus a driver. Do we have any sense what that would be? Do you know what a bus and driver costs, Sam? No, I don't. I, I, I don't. In fact, I, when I talked to a bus driver, uh, one of the operators yesterday, he said at his base alone, they have four bases, at his base alone, he says they need 200 additional drivers, 200 additional operators. I have no idea how this translates into money and for buses, because I know that there was a, supposedly an 80, $81 million purchase of buses, but then these were not the hybrid buses that we had been promised. These were sort of so-called cheap but clean diesel and would consume another 3,000 gallons of gas per year over the current buses in use. So there has not been the level, to the caller, the past caller, there has not been the level of investment that we need. And our point is, that's exactly the narrative you have when there's a great transit inequity. You don't have the investment that's necessary. So I think that, you know, I think when you think about that, if you think about how we spent this money, I, don't, I'll, I can do the math in a minute, but if you do... Uh, 200 drivers times, let's say, $50,000 a year, for argument's sake, uh, plus benefits. 
Okay. I know, but I'm gonna figure out what that comes to, and then you figure out what does a bus co- what, are, what are buses cost per bus to have them manufactured. The idea of hiring more drivers and putting more buses on the route might have been a much smarter way to go than spending 130 million dollars on trading numbers for names. You know, I mean, and confusing the driver. What What are your thoughts? I agree 100%. And that's one of the things that I said was, you know, the system the system wasn't a perfect system before Baltimore Link, but I think that um, more drivers and, a, and a, you know, a more dedicated or, or a more committed arrival time, I think that would have did it. I think the most complaints were, you know, being late. I don't think that the bus stops necessarily were an issue. I think that it was just the, the arrival times, you know. So, yeah. So let's hit the phones at 410-319-8888. Let's go to William. You've been holding on for a while. Welcome. Yes, yes. Uh, good morning. Good morning. Right yeah, um, I'm, I'm, I don't know if I'm considered Baltimore. I've been here for 17 years, but I'm not originally from here. And what I know is there's a pattern in this city as far as the, dis- the disfranchising of poor people. Um, they, this city has a plan for a 25-year plan, I guess, to bring in millennials and bring in people you know, to whatever they plan is to make this city what they wanted, but they're disfranchising poor people. And I'm not, I'm not even sure. I, I think the guy said a survey. I'm not even sure Link or this Link program or MTA even consulted with people that ride the bus every day to see how this this would work before they even put it put it out there. Um, roads are in disrepair. Steam pipes blowing up. Can't keep can't keep. Can't, cannot keep CEOs in the school system, cannot keep a police commissioner. It seems like to me that the city runs better off chaos than it would just make sense to do things the right way. Mm-hmm. You, patch up, you patch up roads, but you don't fix roads. But all these casinos are supposed to be getting all this money, and where is it going? It's always something about a missing void in Baltimore with money, and I smell a lot of rats. And I'm not talking about the rats that run across the street. It's rats and all these type of these. These, these institutions in Baltimore, so I see a pattern, you know, with this city, the way they prioritize the rich people, but they disenfranchise the poor people, which probably has been a plan, because Baltimore historically has always been a, a segregated type, type town, right. so uh, I could just take that any way you want, I'm just, I'm just saying I'm on the outside kind of looking in, and I noticed they, they can't even keep the roads up, but you quick to put out Link. And, and got people all confused, but you can't, it's potholes to flip the call. I mean, you, you can't even keep your roads up. So whoever's in, in uh, charge of the roads, can you fix the well, roads? Uh, right. I, I think one of the things about those things that we, we have to forget, though, sometimes is that the roads in Baltimore are largely funded by the state, not the city, in terms of repair. Mm-hmm. And the state has cut back the money the city gets for repair of its roads. So I mean, that's a big part of why our roads are such a disaster. Uh, in this city. Um, but you're right. You're right. I think we do not care about, you know, though, though, it's, though I would say the roads everywhere in the city are equally bad. <laughs> if you look at them, this is, a, this, this is a very dangerous town to drive a car and ride a bicycle in or a motorcycle. You know, right? You're a bike rider. Yes. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, it's like, woo, you know, the bus lanes are bike lanes also. And so you can look at that as, all right, yeah. But then at the same time, it's like, well, the, I mean, riding down East Baltimore Street is like riding through, I don't know. Riding through, um, uh, I don't know, just just, so, a, just a, a massive pothole that just never ends. It seems like Twenty Eighth Street is the same way, and Pratt Street past I'm okay is the same way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, Mark, we want to uh, certainly before closing uh, remind your listeners to they can certainly call us at our number that I gave a moment ago, but we do want their help in talking to uh, members of council about a hearing. They're not trying to. You know, we want to talk with them about conducting here because the sentiment of the people of Baltimore, particularly the transit dependent, the riders like myself, need to be heard and recorded, registered, because we are otherwise at the mercy of whatever MTA says was the outcome of the rollout. And we don't have any metrics uh, against which to measure their claims, then we will never know. So that's one. I mentioned the origins and destination study. If MTA has one, tell, have them tell us about it and share it with us. If MTA has done any kind of evaluation of the time uh, lost by people who are still taking an hour and a half to get to work, we need to know what that cost is to Baltimore because by not investing in a transit system that we had on the books after 13 years, fully funded and approved, we now have this confusion and concentration on what is really 
peanuts. $135 million over five years is peanuts compared to the loss of a $3 billion transformative uh, light rail system that would form the link to a network of transportation in Central Maryland. So um, as we round out this hour, we have a, just a few minutes left. We'll get some closing thoughts here from our, from our guests, and if we can get another caller in here, we will. Your closing thoughts, where do you think we should go from here to pick up on Sam said? Uh, I think uh, MTA needs to have a public feedback mechanism for Baltimore Link. So the way it works now is there's a comment form, and you can go online and type in, you know, whatever your concerns are. <clears throat> you press the button, and it goes away, and no one else can really see <clears throat> how it's working for you or not working for you. Um, for a while there, MTA had uh, Rate Your Ride on its website, and you could um, document your experiences, and everyone else could see how MTA was performing. And they took that down. And that may be coming back, but at this point, we don't have a public feedback mechanism other than radio shows, Facebook groups. Um, MTA needs to create a way for riders to engage with each other and talk about this system. Shavon? Yeah, I just want to say um, in response to the other guy who was talking about how he felt that um, that um, there, there wasn't a lot of feedback from people who actually ride the bus, um, I was informed there was a, a um, some sort of form or some sort of um, survey that went around before Baltimore Link started, and that the results of that was that people um, would much rather uh, prefer to walk farther if it meant um, more frequent travel times. Um, I don't know. I don't know where that survey went. I don't know who would even decide that they walk farther. But the the point that I was making is that I think that what MTA needs to do is they need to resend that survey out to people who actually ride it um, and, and get a more accurate feedback because I'm not really sure where the surveys went or who they surveyed. Um, but surely I don't think that's the case. Ryan, quick closing comment, about 30 seconds. I'm just going to keep riding and documenting my experiences. And we're going to, as long as we can, we're going to keep this up. I think we need to have uh, uh, these these kind of on-air town meetings to deal with this and uh, and work with Sam Joe and others to make sure the city council uh, has a um, mass meeting so they hear from people. Very quick, we have like 10 seconds. Daniel. Okay, okay. <laughs> um, I, I think uh, the Baltimore Link had its first launch a couple weeks ago, and it's going to have a de facto second rollout when school starts back in August, and there are 20,000 more riders. And um, the MTA buses, um, they provide tripper service to the different schools, so there will be a lot of diversions. So we're going to see another huge change come August. More chaos to come. <laughs> Daniel okay. Sweeney, good to have you here, who created Where's the Bus Baltimore on the group on Facebook. Sam Jordan, president of the Baltimore Transit Equity Coalition. Sam, again, 443-692-7537 is number yes. to call to be involved with the Transit Equity Coalition. Uh, Ryan Artis. Bus rider, good to have you in the studio with us. Thank you for having me. And Shavon Crowley, student organizer, cyclist, sociology major at UB. Good to have you in the house as well. Thank you, man. Thank you all for calling in. It's been a great show. Uh, stay tuned. Don't go away. When we come back, we'll have a national roundtable. You can vent a little bit there as well. Stay with us.